from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Wednesday, June 27th, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Cuffolds. Finally. I mean, it's, it's been ni- a while. It's nice to have me back. Thank yeah, you is. all. <laughs> Thank you. The, the response to my, ap- my departure has been absolutely silent <laughs> and hurtful. Next to Eddie, for the first time that I can recall, uh, us all recording together, our managing editor, Andre Henry. Yo. Usually it's one or the other of you guys. Yeah, yeah. but like... For a while, it was both of us yeah, in yeah, what yeah. was called the golden era. Right. There was a two-week period where Andre and I... <laughs> that was a great two weeks. Finally, <laughs> finally made America great again. Over there, oh, over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And if in case you're wondering... We just keep introducing people. Yeah, and also from here. <laughs> no, in case you're wondering, uh, our, yeah. look, there's a guy in the back here. What's his name? We'll call him Frank. I Frank's here today. I don't know this guy. Um, in case you're wondering, our newest cast member, Annie F. Downs, is traveling this week. She is in China. Do we? Yeah. Now between us, boys, mm-hmm. do we believe she's in China? So you think she's had enough? <laughs> I think she's just at home. I she's think just, she's just she's posting pictures every once in a while of like. Getty images of like Cameron Square or something, <laughs> <laughs> but really she's. I don't think she's. Cameron, Eddie, you, well, I'll. I should let you do. Well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and ask right at the top of the show, uh, Cameron. You say that you don't listen to the show while you're gone. I, I can't um, handle it because one of there's only one of two things. Either mm-hmm. I will learn that the show is way better when I'm gone, and that will hurt my feelings, or it'll be way worse when I'm gone. And that I don't want to know either. So ignorance is bliss. If I'm not here, which I wasn't for either of the shows last week, I was traveling in Montana. I did not listen to what y'all did. Eddie, did you, did you listen while you were absent for several weeks? Not all of them, but I listened to last week's series of shows and I thought they were great. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm always interested okay. in feedback. I mean, I mean, between between Andre Chandler and I, we thought they were fantastic shows. I mean, oh, yeah. we were waiting for those podcast conferences to start e- emailing us award nominations for yeah. the year. I even avoid, not like fully avoid, but I'm less frequently checking the relevant podcast Twitter feed yeah. on the weeks that I'm not there because I don't want to know the fan reaction. I don't want to be like, oh, thank God he's not there this week. I don't want to see it. I mean, the, my feelings. the truth is it's consistent in a totally different way. And we've talked about this many, many times, but nothing to me is as good as when as when Jesse hosts, right? Because it's just that hurts a little bit. No, 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 no. In a way that would not hurt your feelings, because <laughs> it's like coming up next, we've got slices. Uh, you know, he's just like he's so on it, and he's just kind of like a weird, weird hosty guy. After I, after the break, LeBron. Is L.A. really an option? <laughs> Coming up next. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't even think that's criticism. I think that is, you know, a, a, I have chameleon-like ability to, right. you know, go into different modes, thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully. Well, we have a great show coming up for you uh, today. Uh, coming up on the show, John Mark McMillan performs live in our studio. Oh, man. I was... Uh, this we, w- we've been sitting on this for, for a month or two. Oh, man. Because we yeah. wanted to roll it out. 
at a specific time, but but if you remember back to our live show, our 600th episode, yes. a couple months back, John Mark McMillan was our guest uh, there. He did a U2 cover. He played a game with us. It was a lot of fun. Um, right before we did the live recording, he was back in our studio taping the performance you'll hear today. And also the the video, the gorgeous video of this performance will be on Relevant TV today as well. I mean, so, Annie and I yeah. were, because you all were getting ready to do the live show and we realized quickly we had nothing to do. And we were like, I wonder if he's about I to I could record. tell you didn't prepare. We did. Yeah. <laughs> it was not my finest. You see, you both of you seem very unprepared. That explains <laughs> but we popped, we, But we popped in as they were doing the first take and we just kind of got the look like, hey, you just blew a take of the song. But cool. We'll go ahead. Let's let's start back at one and give it another go. And we said it was, but it was beautiful. I mean, they are. Eddie, how tempted were you? You know, a lot of people who've listened to the show a long time knows that, uh, you know, Eddie likes to noodle on the old guitar. He likes to pick out some uh, Crash Into Me, you know, some Dave Matthews right, tunes. Right. How tempted were you, Eddie, to just grab an instrument and just kind of not ask, but just start playing just when they perform? Up. Right. Just, <laughs> just yeah. I think yeah. a pair of like, just bongos back there, just giving a little tip tap to it. I don't think they would have noticed, and I think they would have loved it. Eddie just sneaks in I with think, some spoons. I think we need yeah. a rain stick. <laughs> I think I we need the rain stick in the studio because <laughs> right. you can ride that rain stick to the last note of any song, and it technically kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like as that last chord is ringing, all of a sudden you just hear the gentle tones of the rain stick. I've, I I feel like you know uh, Mark Chandler. That's something it'd be worth investing in. Well, <laughs> I got a rain stick. His wife Sarah sings <laughs> on this song with yeah, him. This is what I wanted to say. Like Sarah McMillan, I I feel by us just saying John Mark McMillan's here, he has some of you know his his band with him and stuff. But most notably, his wife Sarah McMillan is singing with him. And if I, I mean, we all love John Mark, okay? But it's yeah. like watching yeah. In Sync, and you're like, who's JT? Right, right. That's what I'm saying. So like, so Sarah McMillan's song "King of My Heart" is maybe one of my favorite worship songs. I listen to it all the time, and I I feel bad that we're saying, oh, John Mark McMillan's here because really it should be. Sarah, Sarah McMillan is here. And I John, did not realize that was her. Dude, yeah. She takes yeah. it to a level yeah, she's that amazing. her yeah. voice just sits perfectly. It's just it's, unbelievable. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. I'm glad we're playing this yeah. song. Today. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're coming up later. We also have a look at the uh, brand new upcoming. It's your first peak. Uh, the new issue of Relevant. Um, and, and we're also, can I announce, we're doing, we're going to release a bonus track where I will sing the high third harmony over <laughs> John and Sarah and you can just play them at the same time. And it's really, really, yeah, well, you're, really But moving. we recorded that separately because right. they had yeah. to do the good version, but then we're doing something that you could sync up. Right. It's like the Wizard of Oz yeah. thing. Is, uh, yeah. Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> I don't know. You yeah. don't know about this? What are you talking about? Well, I, I don't know what you're talking you about. Sync, I, I, if you sync up Dark Side of the Moon, the, the famous Pink Floyd album, on the third, I think it's the the, the, the third line. The, what's roar. it's the the lion roar at like the Paramount intro, and you sync it up and you hit play it right at that exact moment. The album matches up to the movie perfectly, uh, like all the weird psychedelic songs on that album. They, they've never up admitted it, it, but uh, it, it appears as though Dark Side of the Moon was written to to be an <laughs> alternative score, like to, a trippy soundtrack. To, uh, to, so, do you leave the sound of the movie on too? No, no, you mute the movie. Well, no. What about yeah. what about lyrics? I mean, like or dialogue. The songs end up being kind of about what you're seeing on the TV, and so it's about her. And there's like these weird places where. Like you hear a heartbeat in Dark Side of the Moon and you see the Tin Man. Like it's a very, very like it's very compelling. You've never seen this? I've never done drugs. 
<laughs> See, now that's, that's what you don't have in common with all the rest of us. So I won't, I won't speak for Andre, but I know I can speak for Chandler. Um, yeah. Hey, here's what, one night I got all hopped up on NyQuil. And he's in that, you know, I was that very like Sudafetti kind of haze, you yeah. know, where you're like oh, tired, but you're kind of restless. It's yeah, real weird. Yeah. You know, popped out on wow, just mind blown. You know, the the church did a little intervention for me. Yeah. After that, they heard you know I was hitting the hitting the quill too hard. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's trippy. The other one, uh, you know, all the all the media buzzes around the opioid crisis. You know, overdose being a, a, the silent killer They're in not, America. They're not talking enough about the the quill epidemic. I w- hey, I will say this: my kids take gummy. <laughs> my kids take gu- gummy vitamins. You know, yeah. like, oh man, that's uh, that's the gateway. they're basically gummy bears, gateway. but. They but they claim to be vitamins, right? And so they each take one every morning. I have found myself, if I'm hungry for a snack, literally eating a giant handful of vitamin gummy bears. Oh my god! Like I figure, you know, because a lot of people are like, well, you don't want to take too many vitamins. That's probably not good for like your kidneys and stuff. They can't absorb it. But my thinking is like, I'm either going to eat a handful of candy that has vitamins in it, or I'm going to eat a handful of candy. I feel like the vitamins is the right Something choice. Something feels there. not right about it, but we all know you've been on the show short road to rickets for quite a while and so <laughs> it's the same thing with Flintstones. Anything have to you guys had a Flintstones vitamin in, in your adult life you're like holy cow these are like a really good just standalone candy like the the vitamin benefits aside i could just buy like i would rather eat a box of flintstone vitamins than a bag of skittles like if i had the option flintstone vitamins i feel like are better tasting what? hot takes <laughs> yeah have you ever have you ever seen it the dark side of the moon i the have moon? not huh. I have not. So but I, and I have, but I've heard about it. I've oh, heard, you have? I've heard about, I've it, heard about I've, it. I've not watched it. Oof. Okay, you, can, you know you the can... even trippier one. I don't know if you've seen this documentary about this. Eddie. Yeah. There, there's a lot yeah. of people who have theories that Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, the yeah. adaptation of uh, the, the Stephen King novel, which he basically abandoned the novel and just made his own weird movie yes. uh, You know, back in the late 70s, that it actually has double meaning. There's an interesting documentary about this whole topic, but the most interesting is that there are all these hidden symbols in The Shining that it's Stanley Kubrick's confession that the U.S. government paid him to fake the moon landing footage, right? <laughs> so, like, the theory is wow. that the, <laughs> right? back in, during the space race, the, during the space race, like, America knew they had to be first on the moon. They had to be uh, uh, the USSR uh, in, in order to, 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 for, like, global prestige. So they hired the best filmmaker in the world at the time, who was Stanley Kubrick, to fake it for them. He felt so conflicted about it, but he could never tell that he made The Shining as a confession. And there are symbols Whoa. and hidden things throughout the film that if you were to believe that it's it's actually pretty compelling oh my gosh dude well if you listen to this show carefully you will know uh annie is not in china there will be a you're gonna hear people of, and here's how you know you're gonna hear me whispering periodically and he's not in china if you <laughs> if you turn up your volume if you sync it up really high <laughs> with yeah. uh, the dave matthews china. band crash uh album crashing crashing yeah. to you yeah yeah and he's not in china me. yeah Crash to me. Yeah, it's okay. I don't know. It's okay. It's fine. It's a whole thing with 
cargo shorts and yeah. guitars. I don't know. Man, yeah, I love that, that, that album. Theory, so. A lot of people don't know that Under the Table and Dreaming, that Dave Matthews album, it came with a carabiner. Uh, it, it came with uh, like a, a Nalgene water bottle. Right. And, and uh, it came a Life is Good sticker and a pair of cargo shorts. That's what that album <laughs> came with. Hey, speaking of The Shining, Jesse. The Eddie Coffold starter pack is what you're saying. Hey, oh, I've been no. gone for a couple weeks, so you're ne- going to need to just tell me when I have to move on because I have a lot more to talk about. But Jesse, speaking, the Shining? Speaking of The Shining, last week... Is that I, a horror movie? Yeah. Oof. Never seen it. It's a, it's a really creepy one, too. I was in the hotel yeah. last week where a lot of it was filmed, and oh, you know what other movie was yeah. also filmed in that hotel? Dumb and Dumber. Where were you? It was uh, Colorado Springs. In Colorado Springs? Yeah, we went out They to shot co- The Shining and Dumb and Dumber. It, and part of it, yeah. So you drive yeah. up to this hotel, and you're immediately, you're like, this. it's the scene where there were, like, the blue suit and the orange suit yeah you know the and they're just like, yeah that's <laughs> how you roll on vacation we went no we were just there to hang out at it for a little while we, oh, okay. we stayed at like a you know a normal La kind of oh looking <laughs> to love the looking you're big on the La we actually stayed at a really cool like camp where there was like horseback riding and stuff and it's called a dude ranch dude ranch yeah um horseback riding by you were the way. horseback riding i did i was in montana last week and you were doing doodly stuff too i oh, didn't yeah. know that it was lovely um horseback riding is a funny thing jesse keep going i'm just monologuing here no Go. i want to i want to hear i want to hear your your take on horseback riding. <laughs> <laughs> well, why is it so funny because i feel like it's much more natural i feel like it's much more natural than all our other modes of transportation transportation like yeah. <laughs> you know jumping on the back of a wild beast and having that connection with an animal in nature i feel like is supernatural uh why why do when, you feel weird about when it? do you well, think cars are going to progress to the point that we stop using horses as the reference point for how fast they go yeah the problem with horses is free you know, will. like 200 horsepower yeah we, I mean, don't even, we don't even know i don't know that <laughs> yeah I, it's I not like the first car it's like no this is as fast as three horses it's as powerful as three horses you know what i mean yeah. i get that we're going to reference that because it's recent Right. comparisons right but now it's like a 380 horsepower engine yeah we have who can, no concept no <laughs> who can fathom just a half a mile of horses chained together all working as well, hard like a, as they like can. santa's sled uh, with horses that's <laughs> right. what we're talking about here but the, the problem yes. with the- yeah exactly the three okay 300 horsepower think how absurd that's an entire herd that's like three herds and it's like i'm thinking about getting a 300 horsepower uh truck because i need something to tow my boat guess what unless you have a battleship i don't think it's going to take three herds herds of horses i think like two horsepower could honestly if they're strong enough horses could probably handle that pontoon boat two big horsepower that's what you're going for yeah um the 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 best and worst part of horseback riding of course it's like you're connecting with nature and we're taking this long ride through the rocky mountain national park and it's beautiful but the hard part is, is at the beginning, the Wranglers size you up and kind of pick out because there's a ton of horses there. They kind of pick out. Yeah. So my daughter, Eve, six years old, like confident, wonderful. They get her this great horse. that's just this beautiful like, yes, of course, that's what Eve will ride. And she pops right up and she's riding the horse. They bring out my horse and because, you know, they've sized me up. So they bring out, first of all, they bring out a horse that is essentially like a Jetta with legs. I mean, it's just a massive Clydesdale of a horse. <laughs> Clydesdale. To be yeah, able to drag me around in the Rocky horse, Mountains. Yeah. And we just give each other the same look. Like, I'm sorry, man. so sorry about what's about to happen. <laughs> so I mount up on this monstrous beast. It didn't listen to me at all. It just, well, I, it was just like, they're like, oh yeah, this is one of the oldest horses we have. He doesn't listen. Oh, so to he's it. over it. He's like, I'm doing he what is I want. super done with this. He didn't listen to me at all. I, well, we, I've only been to dude ranch once family vacation. Yeah. Chandler was five. I was like 16, 17. Yeah. And, uh, we went out to Colorado 
and they sized me up. I thought you were talking about Cohen for a second. I'm no. like, what kind of weird no, stat was that? Chandler. Chandler. That no, that makes a lot more <laughs> sense. <laughs> I'm 11 years older than him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that and, makes uh, sense. So fun for the whole family. Yeah. They sized me up, put me on a horse, yeah. and they said, this is your horse. His name's Squirt. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and, and the reason why I found out his name was Squirt is this thing pees like... You've I never knew, seen it in your life. Oh, man. Constantly, it's, and it's stopping constantly stopping. So yeah. we're going along the trail yeah. and literally every 20 feet, there's yeah. a torrential downpour. <laughs> right. My horse stops. <laughs> there's a flooded river behind right. me. And, and like, then we go another 20 feet and he goes again. Like he literally like, like it was unnatural. It's like, I don't know if horses have prostates, <laughs> but like, you know that whatever, whatever valves happen so, inside of horses was off. It's all kinds so, of broken. Also maybe off. give him a little less water, well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's the horse that like those catheter commercials that they play on like Fox and Friends. Or <laughs> um, but, but to have your so name, my horse, basically, my horse watches Fox News is what we're saying. Yeah, right, uh-huh. yeah. Right. For your horse to be named that though is a real problem. I don't do horses and here's why. I had a bad experience or wit- I will say this, I witnessed a bad experience. I was in college and a couple of us on, on like a spring break went to like Costa Rica and we we're just kind of like making our way around and we went to this one beach and there was a guy there and he had a sign that he would do horseback riding on the beach for like only a couple dollars and very romantic bu- yeah one of my Beautiful. buddies is like hey i think i'm gonna do this this is gonna be really super memorable so he like pays the guy the guy leaves he comes back with like the mangiest horse you've ever seen like, <laughs> oh my god like you know the Oof. uh like the Oof. expression uh, i learned what the expression hey, chandler if you need to bleep me you can but I, it's it, this is the word i'm seeing it as the bible word not the profanity yeah. but the word half because this this horse was like half jack, <laughs> like it was breeded down with like oh, barn animals, oh. okay, and like it was super mangy and it didn't have a saddle, it just had like a blanket on its back. Oh gosh! So my buddy, my buddy gets on it and like he kind of they go walking off. Like twenty minutes later, I see I, I have never seen an animal move this fast before. Like it was like the freaking Kentucky Derby. Like if you were to show me that mule. Red horse thing earlier. There is no way on earth that I think that it can run that fast. And my buddy is on its back and it is sprinting. And I look at my buddy's face. I have never. I swear, I've never seen terror like that on a human's face before. Like he he is so tense. And the horse, there's no stopping. And he's not. My friend's not screaming. It's just sheer, sheer terror as this animal is running at like 35 miles. Down, down the beach, like glunk, 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 glunk. and we just see him blaze past us. His, he is white as a ghost. Ten minutes later, the guy who rented it to him just comes sprinting down the beach. Like he was so far behind, it took like an hour for me to see my buddy again. The horse just eventually ran out of gas, and he just jumped off of it. But, did you? Uh, after that, I'm like, I'm not getting on an animal. When you I, saw it, that, did you just control. laugh until you like almost threw up? I mean, that has got to be the funniest thing in the world to see. Oh, I mean, because we're just sitting there because he's been gone for a while and we saw the mangy <laughs> horse and you can see him blazing where they're like there were that's no way that's him that horse is moving way too fast and it was just sheer terror so i don't do horses because of that they're in yeah. control not us oh they are in control i mean i've yeah. seen people bucked and thrown off and they yeah. break their shoulder and oh stuff I mean, because you're you're 10 feet in the air and you're flying i mean yeah. but whew. also i've ridden a horse full out a few times and it is a really magical thing to have an open field and to tell it to go and you're like not like your friend where you're screaming and terror like you're really connected it's really beautiful but mostly they're just following each other and terrible and stinky and peeing everywhere 
thing. How was how was your second trip to Montana this year? Uh, Montana, uh, you know, we were just there last month, so yeah. I felt guilty double dipping. Uh, it was a lot more restful, I would say that. Oh, I, yeah. I, 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 uh, yeah, it was an interesting trip. There's a lot of Hollywood guys, and um, I, one of the one of the, I mean, one of my favorite things about going to Montana is the chance to play poker all night. And and so there's always a couple guys on the trip that want to play poker all night. They're passionate yeah. about poker. And uh, we were talking about it on the first day we got there. One of the guys on the trip was named uh, uh, Willie Robertson. He's Duck Dynasty guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Hilarious dude. He's so funny. But like the first day we're talking about like, yeah, it's not we'll play poker or whatever. He goes, oh, cool. I'll play with you guys. I've, I mean, I've never played. You show me how to play. I'd be, I'd be down oh, to no, play. Oh, no. Those are the worst oh, kind. Oh, no. He was a shark. He was totally BSing that he'd never played before. Oh. And uh, we played till three in the morning every night. It was like, it was me and Willie and a couple of the other guys. And then a bunch of the guides and younger, you know, the crew that like works there. Mm-hmm. And Willie Robertson, as you could have probably imagined, is the biggest trash talker you've ever experienced. And, yeah. and, and it feels so good when you win a big hand against a guy who talks a bunch of trash. Yeah. Cause he would like bully everybody and like, and you know, it's good natured, but you know, uh, does he does he wear the headband yeah. one all the time, all the time? Wow. Well, I saw him in a hat once, right? But but it's, it's but not it's like, just it's like Hulk Hogan. Like Hulk Hogan went to court a few years ago, and he, <laughs> before he went, this is true. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you guys have seen no, the, the, in the, Gawker the, the, case. the movie about you know how he took down Gawker, but yeah. like he literally petitioned the court before the case started to wear a dress bandana to yeah. court. When you go to court, usually it's bandana free. But Hulk Hogan's like, if it's a black, sleek dress bandana, can I wear it? And the judge granted him special permission because it's so Uh, into his brain. Willie told the story. He looked great. Willie's a uh, passionate golfer and he was telling stories about some of the world class courses he's played. And he was telling like he got the chance one time to play Augusta National where the Masters is, right? So he's he's on Augusta. He got in there and uh, he he was in for, uh, he said he was on the fourth hole in one of the guys like drove up, you know, one of the work, people who worked there and said, oh, Mr. Robertson, Mr. Robertson, um, I, 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 Augusta national would like to give you this complimentary hat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's like, Oh, thanks. You know? And then the guy Willie was golfing with is like, yeah, they mean put it on. Cause oh. he like, apparently Augusta national, you don't wear a bandana, you know? Yeah. Oh. Cause he was just, you know, that's just how he rolls, you know? So he's like, Oh, oh yeah. okay. Oh yeah. On. But yeah. wow. Yeah. I saw him a couple times. It's not like Hulk Hogan where it's like, you know, too much of a thing, but I mean, I saw him. Yeah. yeah. But that's like what yeah. he wears. It's not like when all the selfies are done and everybody's, he's still wearing that thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's every day. He is matching. Like he wore an orange shirt one day with the matching orange bandana, you know I mean? Like every day he's got, he's got outfit coordinated bandana <laughs> situations. But the worst thing was the second night we were there, we're still feeling each other out poker wise. And the second night we were there, we played till three in the morning. And on the last hand, he took all my money. Mm. And then the next day we went on a long boat trip together. And I literally never mm. heard the end of it. Yeah, like yeah. it was just mm. all day. Just razzing me it about just, that last hand. It, telling it, everybody reminds, about that last it hand. reminds me of that episode of family matters where Eddie and Waldo get hustled by some pool sharks. Do you remember that episode? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> no, I, I don't. You know, the, I, I, you know what? For some reason, there are random one. episodes of old sitcoms that just sear into your memory. And I think that was when I realized just how absurd the show is. And I remember the line, like, because the, 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 the pool sharks hustle Eddie at first by losing to him. And they tell him to put his, because he's talking trash. They tell him to put his money where his mouth is. Here's what Waldo said. Don't do it, Eddie. Money's dirty. 
Does, <laughs> know. Was that anyway? Matters? Here's how this I episode thought, resolved. I thought that was Fresh I Prince. I thought it was Fresh Prince. Yeah, they went on the bad part of Ooh. town, and there were some pool sharks, and and I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Listen, I'm pretty fresh. sure because I'm I think grandma. The rem- I, I think the grandmother. I think the grandmother on Family Matters was like she came and she ended up. She's like a pool shark, and she ended up winning. Are you guys sure it was Fresh Prince? Yeah, it's Fresh Prince. There Uncle. is a Fresh Prince. Okay, one. hold on, hold on. The episode is called Fast Eddie Winslow, and it aired in 1990. Fast Eddie Winslow. Now, yeah, I was going to propose a bet in in the in the spirit of what you just experienced. Yeah. Do you believe that there is another episode with the same storyline, or do you believe that Jesse is right? No, no. I mean, if you found I, it, I know I, the answer. Fine. But, there's but there is a Fresh Prince definitely one. Definitely a Fresh Prince episode. Yeah, because they were. There it was, is. It was a rebellion thing. Like he was going off to make his own way or something. And he found himself. It's crazy that both of those shows had a, had an episode where yeah. the protagonist get hustled by pool sharks. It's the exact like, same episode. <laughs> it is sort. It is sort of an eighties nineties TV show trope. Like that was just sort of like the oh okay we'll do we'll do the getting hustled episode. Right, right. The uh, so then the next night, you know, I I'm all day just just smiling to not give him the satisfaction of talking crap to me all day. Right. I'm smiling and just gritting my teeth waiting for that night's game yeah. to win all my money back. Yeah. And I did well. I did well. Right. Uh, I, I felt good. I didn't like bust him, but yeah. I felt, I felt like I held my yeah. own. He stopped I made talking. my point. He stopped talking. That was the thing. He stopped talking. Right. It, even just breaking even just, all right. Yeah. Let's right. turn down. And so then, you know, the follow-up texts are kind of like, you know, now I'm kind of like, Hey man, anytime you want to, you know, I mm-hmm. had a lot of fun. Anytime you want to give me your money, I'm, I'm down, you know, like, well, you can try. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I guess. So we're back, but I mean, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You, you should have sent a, a message the next night by wearing a bandana to the table. Oh, oh, oh. There's a new bandana in town now. A new bandana. <laughs> you should bring a, just a rainbow of bandanas. Yeah. And when you know what he's wearing to the table, you just show up with a matching bandana on <laughs> and never, and never own up to it. Just never like, no, no, this yeah. is what I want to wear. Yeah. We should, yeah, he should be on the show. I would like to hear the, uh, his side of all of this yeah no he's he is literally one there's two two takeaways about willie robertson i never read him before he uh loves the lord or three takeaways he loves the lord passionately okay. he pastors there's a at his church in monroe uh he leads he last year started a, a second service that he leads he preaches twice a month he lines up the speakers for the other weeks he is involved actively in ministry his family uh it runs a, a, a summer camp for kids, a Christian summer camp. Like he is, he is one of the good ones. I mean, like he literally like in ministry and stuff, he's just, yeah. he's doing it behind the scenes. He's mm, not yeah. doing it for accolade mm. serving locally. It's amazing. He's one of the funniest dudes, one of the best storytellers you ever hang with. Yeah. If you ever see Willie Robertson at a table, sidle up and you're in for a night of laughing. I mean, it's just like, he's so funny. Isn't yeah. his daughter like famous now? Or yeah, one of Sadie Robertson. Sadie has her own oh, ministry right. yeah. and she's an entrepreneur. She's living in Nashville. She is crushing yeah, she's it. She's on like Annie's show and stuff. Yeah, a if few you times, ever get a chance to be at a conference where Sadie or an event where Sadie's speaking, see, see her speak. She is a powerhouse spiritually. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Is Duck Dynasty even on the air anymore? No, they ended it last year. Um, I, I I can tell you there's a, there's some new things brewing, um, but they, they that run with Annie ended last year. Got and it. Um, he's happy about it. We had long talks about that. It was great for their family, for their business and all that, but it was time to end. They were filming seven days a week for a while, oh, wow. for 11 months a year. And then they finally said no more. So they were doing uh, Monday through Thursday and they had the weekends off just to recalibrate, but it was just so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. How do you juggle 
actual businesses? How do you juggle ministry, family life, friendships? I mean, when it's going on for six years, you know, they did, I think 11 yeah. seasons or something. Um, it, it was time. He was yeah. ready. He's relieved. He has spent the last year remodeling a cabin on his land by him, like himself. Like he's actually in there with the hammers doing it. Just he's serving in his church, started this new, you know, service, like just breathing, you know, Hmm. you think he's wearing the bandana when he's, I mean, he's got a hundred percent, but do you think he has like a work bandana? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's probably an American flag. That's my guess. Yeah. Seems right. (laughs) Do do you, do you think that like, let's say non bandana situations, like let's say swimming pool, Great like, question. Is he rocking the bandana or is he wearing it and he swims like a mom who recently got her Eek. hair done yes. and can somehow navigate the entire pool without ever getting their head wet? So I've said, you, know so we cl- you know, this, I think, you know, the spot, I think it was too cold when we were there, but uh, there's a spot on the lake up there. It's a 71 mile long lake with cliffs. It's mm-hmm. like the Grand Canyon. It's like a dam at the end. So it turned into a lake, this yeah. huge canyon. And uh, there's a spot where we go cliff jumping. And Willie went cliff jumping. So I have seen him sans bandana. I have seen oh, the okay. hair wet. Is it hard to know who he is? We've talked a lot about him on this show. Yeah, that's but true. I'm going to keep asking. It's no, you know it's Willie Robertson. It's still him, yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. not like he's doing a Hulk Hogan full cover. It's just a strip. Mm-hmm. It's the folded over yeah, bandana. It's yeah, like a headband. I understand. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it just looks like him. Yeah, it's like, Je- it's like Jesse with his little ear pods in. It's like LeBron's headband. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Except Willie doesn't have LeBron's hairline issues. Oh, so it's literally yeah. just an accessory. It's, yeah, not it's just like, a look. Like well, he has well, so much hair, it actually keeps the hair back. That's the ah, thing. Yeah, it's right. a functional utility. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a utility thing. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not a fashion thing. It's actual function. That's right. Yeah, yeah. All right. or both. Stream. It's a streamlining the head. That's thing. right. Willie Robertson, everybody. That was your Willie Robertson update. All right, moving the show along. <laughs> it is time for our weekly look back at culture and entertainment. It's time for. In case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it, this week, uh, Jane the Virgin star Gina Rodriguez uh, announced she's using using her Emmy money to send a student to Princeton. Uh, so I don't know if you know this, but when studios push their stars during Emmy season, they allot the star a certain amount of money to help with their campaign, which is cool. And I didn't know that. I mean, I know they spend money on like for your consideration ads and stuff, but I didn't know like the yeah. star themselves gets cash for their efforts. Hmm. But um, anyway, it, uh, Rodriguez actually asked the network to use the money that um, they would have sent to her to instead send an undocumented high school student to the college of their dreams. Um, so she partnered with big brother, big brothers and big sisters of LA and uh, found a young woman headed to Princeton. And she's putting all of her for your consideration campaign money toward a scholarship. She explained to the Hollywood reporter, she said, it's, it's taboo to talk about the money being spent, but it's the reality. Um, I think sharing this might inspire other people to do something similar. You can desire recognition and at the same time decide to not play in the confines of the game as it's set up. I like that. You sighed when you heard her name. Do you have a problem with her? No, I don't have a problem with her. I'm just in love with her. Uh, oh, oh, I just, oh, I just, right. I just think she's the <laughs> greatest. Her, well, to get her on the podcast, Andre. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, maybe Willie can set up a little poker. Game she's out. Us all. I mean, she's just out trying to make the world a better place. Um, I follow her on Instagram. She's doing a lot to use her platform to raise, uh, raise awareness around I- immigrant yes. and stuff like that. So, I mean. I mean, she's just, just uh, people that are kind and funny and cool all at the same time. Right? Just like, oh, you're the best. Also, did you see our ce- celebrity rap battles or something like that? No, it was on one of those late night shows. Oh. I think, and uh, she can act. She's actually got bars. Yeah. So icing on the cake. She's incredibly talented. Yes. Musician. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you I, love her. I, got it. Well, we'll I have a question about the four year consideration ads. Like you see them around award season. Who are they targeting? 
Like members, and whose consideration vote, are voting, they asking? To voting be members of the of the academy yeah. who read the trade publications, so or are on the internet. This is how they like. This is I see the they're literally ones. marketing to the few thousand members of the voting academy, and that's it. But they're everywhere, so they have to put stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. It just seems it just seems like an absurd. She's right. It seems like an absurd use of money. And and why should that influence like if an if the awards are supposed to be on the merits, the creative merits of the show? Why should if I see a you know, billboard ad on variety.com, why should that sway my vote? It just be- doesn't make any sense. Because mm. they're it's just like voting for a president. Like uh, you would hope that everybody is going to really pay attention to the issues. But a lot of people just basically vote on marketing. They, and yeah. so they know that that's mm-hmm. going to be the case. So they try to market the best because they're not. I mean, if you think about how many awards they have to vote for, you know, maybe they're going to actually have watched all of the best actress nominations. Yeah. Like performances. But sound design, they're not watching all of the sound design movies. They're just going to pick the one that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, everybody. There's been buzz about whatever solo. So, so this, design. this money wags the dog. Cause yeah. like if, if, if a studio set a studio benefits significantly, if they have award winning content that they're creating, Word. right? Yeah. And, and right. so they have a vested interest in winning some awards. And so they pick their best ones and then they say, we're going to put, you know, nomination money campaign into this one. And then that creates, well, now the media sees that and goes, okay, this is a buzzworthy film. And so then they're reporting that. And then it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They get Mm -hmm. nominated. And then like the voting Academy, like Eddie said, I can't watch all of everything. And so then I'm going, I'm going to look at the media. Who are they saying are the favorites? Well, the media is influenced by the money that's spent to get the attention. Mm, yeah. And then all of a sudden that money leads to actual nominations and then wins. I yeah. mean, it, it really does work. But the other thing too, is, is like, I feel like we are paying attention to for your consideration. Yeah. So you see something and you're like, Oh, that, Oh, that must be good. It, it almost like incredible. counts right. as like, that's the best actor. That's right. I did. I didn't even consider that. Yeah. <laughs> you're saying this <laughs> should be for my, but that's right. It's like, Oh, I didn't even, I missed that movie. And there's this buzz that I'm seeing because I saw this ad that was paid for. Right, and then right. let me go check that out. Yeah, yep. I saw a Portlandia for your for your consideration ad and just started burning through the next season because I thought, oh, maybe it's maybe it's on that level where it's going to be right. up for whatever an Emmy. Dude, money talks. Yeah, it is really funny, though. In case you missed it, Netflix created a powerful campaign centered on their strong black leadership campaign. Uh, the platform has launched the campaign that uh, emphasizes shows created by, starring, and written by black creators, including new seasons of Dear White People, Luke Cage, She's Gotta Have It, and several others in production. The new ad for the campaign, which aired during the BET Awards uh, this weekend, features stars like Ava DuVernay, Spike Lee, Justin Simeon, and others, and powerful monologue about representation in media. Here's a clip. This is a new day. Built from the ground, broken by legends. A day for our generation to see untold experiences of our blackness, representing a limitless range of identity. Playing kings and queens of our neighborhoods, defeating larger than life forces, trying to flip our world upside down. We stand up on any stage and every screen. A day when black women are boldly the lead character, whether inmates or scholars. We're not a genre because there's no one way to be black. We're writing while black, nuanced and complex, resilient and strong. This is not a moment. This is a movement. We are strong black leads. Today is a great day in Hollywood. 
So I have something awful to ask. Okay. And I want everybody to just tell me if you can just push back. Because they also had another story in this past week about how one of their top executives, uh, like, said some like deeply racially offensive comments. It's of, like a communications in, guy, right? In a I board did meeting. not hear yeah, about PR. this. He's the, PR. Did, the executive over not. public relations. Yeah. yeah, he said something, and like in a couple of board meetings, and they have fired him. But it was so Ooh. he he's gone. Uh, I don't remember the context with which I, with which it all happened. I just know that he has been fired. So I always wonder, like. Were they already prepping this whole thing and this is like response oh. to that? Oh. Or was it just like, oh no, we've already got this great campaign that's rolling About out next weekend. Well, to answer your question, this campaign's actually been in the works for a few months. And if you see the, the if you watch the video that you heard, the monologue alone that we listened to is incredible. But if you see the, um, the commercial, it would be impossible for them to have turned that around right. in that short amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's based on the work of, I, I forget the photographer's name, but a series of famous photos in Harlem. Um, and he got all these creators to come together. So to answer your question, Eddie, I, I think maybe they may bump the ad, but it seems like this is something that's been in the works for a long time. Yeah, I yep. was curious about that. Hey, in case you missed it, ESPN's Tony Reale gave a stirring speech about loss and grief after losing his son. His wife, Sam, uh, was to give birth to twin boys last week, but only one of the boys, Enzo, uh, lived. The other, Amadeo, um, died shortly before being born. Uh, Along with hosting the long-running show Around the Horn, uh, Reale is, is a vocal Christian. He's been known for openly displaying ashes on his forehead during Ash Wednesday. On Twitter, he explained that his son was named for God's love, saying... May we all be open to seeing it in ourselves. May we be strong enough to receive it from others, compassionate enough to give it to others, and courageous enough to demand it from others. Here's a clip. I'm still feeling the Father's Day vibe, so I gladly cede my time to you, Mr. Tony Reale. Yeah, nice. Thank you, Israel. Um, The notes and the condolences my wife Sammy and I have received have gone right into our soul, and I wanted to say that. Talking about the duality of losing a child near childbirth, and then delivering another healthy one is impossible. I was talking about this yesterday on Twitter. How can you ever be whole again? Parents have had to go through this before. I'm going through this now. And I spent time, you know, pledging that it's not, it's okay not to be okay. And for me, the recognition that I've come to is that life can be out of our control. And, and that's okay. It's how we respond and what we do. That's what we have control of. So here's where I am today. Grief is part of humanity. Grief is proof of humanity. Parents dealing with loss or anybody dealing with loss, meet yourself where you are. Give voice to your feelings. Young men, young women watching, this can be how you grieve. Don't bury your heart. Keep it on the outside and look to other people because humanity can lift us. That has been my experience. But I need to say this now. More duality. If I'm brutally honest, today my thoughts are with children in cages. That's parents experiencing loss too. Humanity needs to be better. Amadeo, I love you forever. You're named for God's love. May we all be craving it. May we all be giving it to each other. And may we all be compassionate enough to give it to all. That was such a powerful uh, moment on that show. I mean, it's... I can't imagine grieving publicly like that, you know, like, and having the wherewithal to... Yeah. do what he just did. That's yeah. powerful. And, and he's such like, he's one of my favorite like sports media personalities because yeah, who you mimic when you host our podcast. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm pulling the the Tony Real. You know, I mean, not only is he really good at what he's what he does, and he's been doing it for a long time very well, but he's also known for taking uh, important social stands and you know talking about his faith. I mean, he did. You know, it, it's kind of like an annual thing. I he I think he's been on ESPN for like 13 years or something now. But every single year on Ash Wednesday, he he you know goes on TV with the ashes on his forehead to to, to the extent where he regularly gets asked about. It. I remember him writing this column in the Washington Post about his faith and why it's so important to him and why it's so important to use this fat platform to communicate it. And this was such an incredible human moment that, yeah, like you said, Cameron, I can't even imagine having to, you know, go back to something like that kind of job um, that requires you to kind of be on. But, he, you know, still being able to take a minute and be honest about grief and loss. Yeah. Because yeah, you can't put on the show through that kind of tragedy. Yeah. Like, there's some things where you're like, all right, the show must go on. I'm going to go and do my shtick. But I, you, you can't. The loss of a child, I mean, that, that's, that's beyond what can be handled. I think it's most impressive, though, if people are wearing ashes three or four days after Ash Wednesday. Like they're like, because really it's just in. like, hey, I don't shower, and I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna let you I know. Can literally, not wash my face in uh, seven days, and you can tell because there's ashes. Yeah, and I'm very publicly displaying the fact that these ashes are just kind of drooping down my forehead, and I don't, I don't shower. It started as a cross. Now it's just a big dark blob right on the middle of the forehead. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, uh, lastly, in case you missed it, Fresh Off the Boat author Eddie Huang is uh, making a food show about immigrants in America. The restaurateur, he wrote a book uh, that the sitcom Fresh Off the Boat uh, was named after. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He's he's working on a new show called Cash Only, which he's calling an immigrant-focused food show. He explained it at Deadline. While not all Americans understand and welcome immigration, a lot of the anger toward immigrants could be resolved if it wasn't presented as a zero-sum game where dominant culture loses every time an immigrant is granted entry. I hope we can provide much-needed perspective on this issue by examining the world through the eyes of the marginalized. There's no yet, uh, no word yet on which network will air the series, but fresh off the boat. I, I'm super I, pumped I, about this. Food. I'm getting into food shows. Like I'm a horrible, dude. horrible. <laughs> Did chef. you start watching uh, Ugly Delicious? Oh, I love it. I oh. love it. I've only watched a couple, but Snowball. I mean, oh, it, it's super it. entertaining. Like, even if you don't care, like, let's say you don't care anything. You've never thought deeply about pizza, right? Let's say your yeah. relationship with pizza, your whole life has been very casual. You watch this show <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like super, super passionate about pizza. And it doesn't try oh, yeah. to convince you. It just takes yeah. you all over and shows you like these pizzas of the world and you're like i've never i've never even thought about this topic like that and it's it's fascinating it's super well done as 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 ugly delicious goes on uh he gets a little it's it subtly shifts where it's less about food and more about people and issues yeah it's really interesting it's really especially which one is the one that really uh like like i saw somebody on twitter kind of go i thought i was watching a food show yeah and and all of a sudden, it turned into like a liberal agenda. That's what somebody uh, said. Uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. think so. But yeah, no, it was. Well, the f- he does tackle immigration it, and, yeah, and race the, stuff. Yeah, with fried chicken. Dude, episode. Yeah, the fried chicken episode one. was powerful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but back to the food of it, though. We went when I was in LA last time. We went to one of the places that he went to just because he went to it. Yeah, he is right. It was like the best taco. It was like that taco fusion place where they do like Asian infused. Holy smokes. And I was like eating like David Chang in the like just <laughs> just disgusting. You know how he eats just like like there's no tomorrow when he didn't just eat a meal and is about to eat another meal. He's right. It was amazing. 
Uh, uh, Fresh Off the Boat, the ABC show, mm-hmm. I, I don't watch it very much, but the few times I did watch it, I liked it because it was based in the 90s. You know, mm-hmm. it was this, it really it's based on the story of him growing up. Yeah. Immigrant family, they're rest, a restaurant family here in Orlando. And mm-hmm. so it's based here in Orlando in the 90s. And oh. so the boys in the show are super into the Orlando Magic and Shaq. <laughs> I didn't it was the Shaq and Penny era. And they wear their Shaq jerseys and stuff. And I'm like, that's right. We wore our Shaq jerseys in the 90s. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, he grew up here in Orlando. Is the, is the restaurant at all based on a real restaurant that yeah, still yeah. exists? I don't know if it still exists, but his mom and dad ran a restaurant here in Orlando. Wow. Yeah. Kind of get more info on that. How about that? But the only reason, the only Orlando anything in the show, because obviously it's shot in Southern California, there's no references to anything local yeah. except Shaq. So, yeah. which we'll take. I mean, what I'll else is it. there? Yeah. In the 90s, that's it. But it's an ABC show. They could mention Disney all day long. That's true. They, yeah. they didn't. They, they, could, they could have like TGIF did. It's, they had TGIF did two things. A pool hustling episode <laughs> and an episode <laughs> where the whole clan goes to Disney. And that's true. That is so true. And they, that's true. And all, they all at some point visit the, the Indiana Jones ride that's been there for like 35 years. You know? Wow. Th- those are <laughs> two things. Contractually, if you had a sitcom in the 90s on, <laughs> on TGIF, you had to, characters had to get hustled by pool sharks and you had to go to Disney World. That's the deal. That's the deal. <laughs> when I, uh, I, I, this was back in like the early, early days of relevant. I, at some thing, I, I got, oh, I got an email from some lady who, who uh, was an executive at ABC and she was a believer and she f- found relevant. Yeah. And she really liked it. And she dropped me an email saying, I really like what you're doing. Hey, I'm going to be in Orlando for some meetings. I'd love to meet up. So, so I went and, and, and we had, we had lunch and, it was really fascinating. And her job at ABC with television was specifically the crossover stuff, like connecting the <laughs> cool. brand experiences to like when, wow. when like uh, uh, the Harlem Globetrotters appear on Scooby-Doo. When AFV <laughs> would have their like Disney vacation episode or whatever. Yes. That was her. And I'm like, you're ruining America's Funniest Home Videos. Like, oh, like I yeah. hate those ones where it's like obvious promotion. Oh. But that was literally her job. Listen, wow. I'm able to suspend my disbelief, but you're telling me the cast from one of the Disney rides crash landed on Gilligan's Island. It was able to get rescued, but the rest of the island had to stay. That's too far. That's yeah. too far. That is a bridge too far. She literally, like, her job was to look for opportunities to take other ABC or Disney-owned properties and figure out ways to subtly get them onto the ABC television content. Which is never wow. subtle. No. Because one thing that you're, that, like... It just looks like things crash landed into each yeah, other. It's like, terrible. Yeah, it really not does. supposed to be there. Like, like the worst, <laughs> the worst one is somehow I don't even. I've never seen an episode of the show, but for some reason, like the channel I was on, which who knows what even channel it was, like the 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 short run TV show according to Jim, which was like Jim Belushi's. Oh, yeah. t- it was yeah. like it was Wait, like was a watered down. Run? I think it was one of those sneaky ones that was kind of like King of Queens that like nobody watched, but it was on forever. Yeah. Nobody watched. Yeah, that, that that was it. It's like a watered down version of King of Queens. Like, Except yeah. instead of Kevin James, it's it, James, it's Jim Belushi. Yeah. And the only one that I somehow watched was one where they went on a Disney cruise. And it was literally a Disney cruise advertisement. Like, there was nothing entertaining. There was no shenanigans. It was right. just the plot revolved around them checking out everything on the Disney cruise. Well, I met the person who's responsible for that. <laughs> responsible for that episode of According to Jim. Anyway, all right. Well, that'll do it for In Case You Missed It. Stay tuned. Up next, John Mark McMillan. Heaven and a China girl. I'm losing my head, I'm losing my head. Oh, cry.
You're listening to our next guest, John Mark McMillan. The song is Enemy, Love. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard St. Lucia with the new single, A Brighter Love. John Mark McMillan's latest album is called Mercury and Lightning. It's drawn critical acclaim for its genre-bending format, which is both worshipful and challenging, as he wrestles with spiritual questions as well as revelations about God's character. Well, a month or so ago, uh, John Mark and his wife, Sarah, and others stopped by the Relevant Studios for an exclusive live performance of a song from the album. Here is John Mark McMillan performing Death in Reverse. So this song is called Death in Reverse, and I think when I was writing this song, I was thinking about... Um, you know, those things in life that sometimes happen that change the way you see all of life. I think they call it the black swan, you know. It's a thing that you don't maybe even believe can happen or not even you believe it can happen, but it's just something so far outside of your context that, you know, um, when it happens, your whole world changes. You know, for some people, it's like having a baby or getting married or maybe it's the loss of someone you know or maybe it's a world event or something. But there are these moments in life when you feel like you know the way the world works and something changes and you realize not only uh, has you, the way you approach the world changed, but the way you see the entire world changes in those moments. Anyway, that's called a black swan and this is called Death in Reverse. You descend upon me like a rolling stone, like a black swan raging over all that I know. You know it unnerves me when I lose control and I'm all out of options and I'm out of my head and I build my life around someone who I thought that I was but it turns out all the things I do to feel young they only make me a vein of gold with the powers that drive up flowers from the fold you cast me uncursed unearth my body and my soul like fire from my ashes like fire from my coals and I built my life around someone who I thought that I was but it turns out all the things I do to feel young only make me old But you raise me like a baby Like a fiery phoenix burn Oh, and you lift me up like Lazarus You love me like death You love me like death You love me like death in reverse 
and built my life around someone who I thought that I was. But it turns out all the things I do to feel young, they only make me old. But you raise me like a baby, like a fiery phoenix bird. Up like Lazarus, you love me like death. You love me like death. You love me like death and reverse. That was John Mark McMillan. Go check out Mercury and Lightning. It's available now. Just to orient you to time and space of when that's happening, it is the more. It is early morning. They have been traveling. They are like sipping coffee, and I was like, I don't think they're like. It's, it doesn't feel like they're like ready to do a thing. Yeah. And as soon, and I mean, like as soon as they said action, it was exactly what you just heard. Like, I, this is, I this kind is of agree. The only thing is like, I felt like the thing that was notably absent was the majestic sound of a rain stick <laughs> at the, yeah. final, at the yeah. final chord ringing out. Like it was a little jarring that it wasn't there, but other than that, it was fantastic. Top down, head back. Ride by the high beats, don't fair facts. Money more than I don't want to hear trap. I play Rick James when I'm in traffic. Doing this since fifth grade. I've been doing this since I've been safe. I've been rock crowds on a big stage. I've been made hits with some big names. Yada, 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 yada. Bought a Mercedes for my baby mama. VIP, rockin' Dolce Gabbana. I went to the Grammys and I took my mama. Bottles on bottles on bottles and models on models on models and dollars on dollars. Yeah, that don't help me when my soul wanna holler and I'm feeling the pain and I'm dealing with drama. Woo! That's too deep. Guess I better fall back. Nah, get this work. You should've wore a hard hat. They told us don't work in the summer. I told them I'm working on something. I'm waving my banner, no propaganda. Why you flexing in your Panamera? You're listening to Lecrae and Zaytoven. Right. Song is Get Back Right from uh, their new album, Let the Trap Say Amen. Well, every two months, there's another issue of Relevant, and this month is no exception. Uh, we like to give you a little behind the scenes look at the new issue here on the podcast. And uh, to do that, we want to welcome in um, one of our editorial team members, Tyler Huckabee, joining us from Nashville. Hey, everybody. Seems like two months comes earlier every week, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we made Eddie leave the room. He's not part of this. So. He, is in, he is in a soundproof booth right now, which for some reason is slowly filling with water. Uh, that's just a little twist we put in there. Yeah. Not really part. So we have to get through this quick. Right. It's our clock. That's the countdown. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to just take a few minutes and tell you what's going on in the new issue of Relevant. It's an exciting issue. We're excited for you guys to, to see it. Um, and this is your, your kind of preview. We have some clips. We have some music. We have um, uh, a multimedia extravaganza about yeah. to happen. <laughs> it's exciting. Well, Mortgage the, board of content. <laughs> the July issue features one of our favorite artists on the cover. Leon Bridges is Woo! the cover story. Oh, man. This issue. Um, I'll tell you, there is uh, there was a debate. There was a couple of stories in contention for the cover story. And um, after we read them, mm-hmm. I, I was like, literally, I was taken aback. I was like, how could this Leon Bridges story not be the cover? Right. Um, it, it was fascinating. It tells a lot of his story. If you don't know his music, he uh, brought the the kind of neo soul vintage kind of R&B Sam Cooke type yeah. vibe a couple years ago. Uh, took, the, took the music by storm. Uh, he's back with a brand new album. He talks to us about some pretty substantive things. And, and yeah. uh, I learned a couple of things in there outed him as a Christian. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, you know, yeah. like a little yeah. subtle, little subtle faith 
outing <laughs> happening there in the cover story. Subtle is right. He keeps his cards close to the chest, but uh, but it was still it was still a really good conversation. We had, like the story was you, awesome. You dug up some some tweets. Some tweet replies. I mean, that was actually me and Jesse had to do that. We we got investigative. We had to do. We went like this town. On this. We want proof that you're a believer. Yeah, publicist exactly. Didn't want exactly. him to talk about it. But but you know what's interesting about the whole story, and I like our approach to telling his story. Is you know his identity as a whole is kind of you know a, a little bit uh, mysterious, not just his religious beliefs, but also like his musical style, because he has this kind of interesting onstage persona. Um, and you know, a, like the way he dresses and the way his music sounds is a little bit different than, you know, kind of the real guy. And that's what this story's out to kind of, uh, expose in a good way. Here is a clip of Leon Bridges talking about just that. It really is a small percentage of of who I am. I, I, of course I enjoy music from that era, the fashion from, from, from that era, but it, it, it doesn't really some all of me up, you know, and, you know, I'm a person that I'm just a young, I'm a young dude and living in modern times. And, and I also enjoy, you know, I grew up on modern R&B and, and hip hop. And I mean, so a lot of people wouldn't even know that my favorite thing to do is to go out and, and uh, party and turn up to young thug or but love trap music. A lot of people wouldn't know that. The funniest thing that I, I, I discovered about Leon was he is a Christian hip hop head. So like I knew this before, right? right? Yeah, I, yeah. A couple years ago. Yeah. So like there's a there's a rapper um, used to be known as Play-Doh. Now, mm-hmm. now he's known as Crumb. He, he's Texas based, where Leon's from, mm-hmm. and um, he was a Christian hip hop guy. He's been on this podcast years ago, mm. and uh, I follow him on Instagram. And Crumb's like doing one of his shows, like small shows, you know. And right there, side stage is Leon Bridges, just the Christian hip hop fan, yeah. just into the show because he had a huge like arena show you know, the next mm-hmm. night there in Houston or whatever. Yeah. And so he was in town and he wanted to catch the crumb like club show. Wow. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's so funny. <laughs> Cause like crumb during the middle of the concert, like calls him out. Like he's like, Oh, Mr. Leon Bridges, whatever. And that's what he put on Instagram. Oh, that's cool. But yeah. uh, I was like, man, he's a hip hop fan. Yeah. There you go. Uh, if you haven't heard the new album, here's a clip from uh, Leon Bridges single, bad, bad news. Also in the issue, uh, one of the other contenders for the cover story. It's Ethan Hawke. You've, I mean, known yeah. Ethan. I mean, he's he's been acting since he was thirteen. Uh, what what are some of your favorite Ethan Hawke roles? Uh, I like the 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 before trilogy, as it's called. Uh, Boyhood was incredible. Dude, Boyhood. That's that's where I was going to go. Is Boyhood yeah. man? He plays the yeah. the the deadbeat dad and boyhood man is mm. powerful uh the the before trilogy although i'd say his performance in uh his for his first performance in first reformed which is what we spoke to him about for this interview is as good as anything he's ever done and it's getting I a ton of it's, buzz it's right eight here yeah. yeah he's getting a ton of buzz this film it's called first reformed where he plays like a conflicted priest mm. who's having a, a kind of crisis of faith yeah it's getting a buzz is like a lot of buzz is kind of like the best album or best uh movie of the year so i far. hear some whispers about academy awards on yeah. this one for your consideration yeah. she's earned it 
He's yeah. in it. We'll, we'll lobby for him. We'll put in a good word with the voters. <laughs> well, here's here's Ethan Hawke talking about why uh, acting serves as church-like experience in his life. At its best, you know, art has always made me feel like I wish that church did. You know, like when you when you go see a brilliant production of Waiting for Godot, or when I remember when I was a kid, I, my first play was St. Joan. Um, and you really hear uh, artists like George Bernard Shaw really tackle these kind of big, themes of martyrdom and faith and grace and it's really exciting you know it's it's really exciting and and i think that whether it's acting or writing or whatever it's when it's been any good it's been connected to what other people would call a spiritual life so it's always been really important to me and i was raised a christian you know i was baptized in episcopalian confirmed in episcopalian my stepfather was catholic and my father is in either Episcopal or Church of Christ his whole life. And um, so I've been raised in and around a dialogue about faith my entire adult life. I mean, anytime I can remember, I've had a lot of very sincere people in my life who were seeking, and I've always been trying to figure out how to integrate that aspect of my life into my creative life. That, that's one thing about e- Ethan Hawke. I think any any time, if you've seen any of his movies, you know he's like a really kind of deep, thoughtful guy. And he really dug into this role. And, you know, he grew up going to church. So he has he had a lot of interesting thoughts, I felt like, in this piece, not just about acting in his career, but about faith and uh, spirituality. It was a fascinating conversation. Substantive guy. He's got a lot of interesting thoughts. What was he in? Reality Bites? What was the like Gen X uh, crisis like slacker movie? Hmm. Don't you yeah, remember? I think it, it was Reality Bites, right? He was, he was in Reality. I Bites. mean, that was like yeah. that was like when I think of Ethan Hawke, that's the era I think of, like grunge music, <laughs> yeah. and he like represented Gen X. Uh, you know, what I mean? yeah. It was like him and like I feel like John Cusack was kind of in that era. But what's interesting is like <laughs> I've heard I've heard it said like he could have gone the direction of like a Cusack or even like he's probably around the same age as like a Matt Damon who di- didn't get started till a little bit later. But yeah, I feel like Ethan Hawke only chooses thoughtful roles, especially at this point in his career. He only chooses really interesting. He's not like he doesn't really care for the blockbusters. Whereas like know? like a John Cusack, take whatever he'll get, whatever he can get these days. <laughs> but Ethan Hawke had he came out of the gates with Dead Poet Society. You've got yeah. Gattaca. Jesse, you mentioned the Before Trilogy, which is one of the greatest, my favorite, favorite, favorite movies. Um, he's he's got a deep bench, oh, and he's yeah. not really talked about as one of the greats. Training Day, Dead Poet Society was one of my favorite movies of all time, and and his character in it is something that you don't forget. I mean, it's yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Uh, moving along. Uh, there's a lot more in the issue on more on the culture side. We talked to one of our favorite indie bands. Always. We um, spotlighted them, learned how personal tragedy actually made them more vulnerable as songwriters. Um, they have a new album out. Here's a clip of their single dreams tonight. On the other side of the spectrum in the issue, uh, we have uh, an article called For the Bible Tells Me So, where we look at how young Christians are now engaging the Bible um, more than before. And we talked with author uh, Rachel Held Evans about what it's like to rediscover scripture. Here's Rachel explaining how her own views about scripture evolved in a positive way. 
you know, deconstructing and reconstructing is not necessarily two clear cut, distinct activities that you engage in. But I do think I'm kind of in the process of after years of really deconstructing my faith and wrestling with a lot of doubts and questions, I do feel like I'm, I'm starting to rebuild a little bit. And, and I feel like a lot of other millennials, uh, Gen Xers are in the same position where they've cast aside some stuff, but they, they want to hold on to their faith. Uh, so what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for how they think about church and what does that mean for how they think about and engage the Bible? So it just kind of felt like a natural thing to, to write about. And also I was, encountering all this really awesome biblical scholarship that I had just not been exposed to before, you know, from Walter Brueggemann to womanist biblical scholars to Jewish midrashic interpretations of the Bible that were just completely rocking my world and changing how I approached the Bible. I really felt compelled to share that with my readers because it was that scholarship was making the Bible readable to me again and exciting and interesting to me again. Uh, and so I felt like it was an important thing to try and share in like a creative, fun sort of way. Yeah. Tyler, I know you, you talk with Rachel about this. I thought it was so refreshing that, you know, she is someone who has openly kind of uh, laid out her, the deconstruction of her faith, but this is like a cynicism free reconstruction embracing Bible and scripture. This was a great conversation and they had so many parallels to what's happening generationally with the Bible. Yeah. I, I think that her book inspired, which sort of uh, inspired the, the us reaching out to her and, and a big chunk of this article really does do a great job of showing how some what healthy reconstruction can look like after you've gone through the process of of questioning things about your faith. So many people, it's so easy to get stuck in that process as we've talked about many times at relevant. Uh, and she has showcased with this book a way to really move on and find something that that's richer and, and fuller and, and better and more healthy than it was when you started the deconstruction process. Uh, I, I love I love talking to her, and, and this book has been really meaningful to me. I know it's been really meaningful to a lot of people too. Yeah. My sister is my little sister lives out in LA, and she is reading it. And she just texted me, "Can you tell your friend Rachel? Rachel and I have never met face to face, but can she say, can you tell your friend Rachel that I just that I just read the first two pages of her book, and I already love God more than I did before." What? Wow! Yeah. Two, That's what pages. She That's wow. two pages. That's a hot take. Has she ever said that about anything that I've written? Never. Doesn't even text me. Well, Not she, even sure she knows that I write. When she reads but. two pages of anything you've written, she starts to question everything. <laughs> yeah. A spot, an existential, uh, yeah, an esoteric crisis is triggered with each word of the Tyler types. Deconstructed past the point of repair. There's nothing left to build with. Um, also in the issue, we talked to Pastor Brian Houston, uh, you know, the founder and pastor of Hillsong uh, Global Movement. We also look at lessons that Jin uh, Z can teach millennials, which is interesting. Oh, you know, yeah. a lot of a lot of people mistake or mistakenly use the term millennials, meaning like kind of like everybody under thirty. Yeah, they well, think it's all the same. Yeah, obviously demographics. <laughs> grow up <laughs> and it's interesting now that gen z is actually you know all of college i mean so yeah. like you know uh, gen uh millennials you know are 23 to like 38 mm -hmm. and uh gen z is really kind of coming into uh you know leadership and graduating school and all that kind of stuff and it was just interesting to do a piece about the things that the next generation can teach this generation 
I, yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm particularly, I'm, I'm inspired by a lot of what I see out of Gen Z, you know, uh, like the activism and, uh, you know, political engagement and uh, a boldness. Tell, I know you, you worked a lot on this piece. What was the one thing kind of jumped out on you when you kind of looked at the differences? Jumped out on you like a frog. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a pop, pop-up magazine. The stuff that jumped, that jumped out on me. This is, this is, this, this, I'll say this article is the highest budget piece we've ever done because it uses pop-up technology and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's 4D because we did a, sp- a, a cologne spray in the smell of Gen Z. It's, it's Axe Body Spray. Axe Body Spray. <laughs> oh, what a story. Mm. Tyler's sister read two pages of it and uh, couldn't shake the smell. She's an atheist now. <laughs> she, she's, <laughs> she, she was, now she's dabbling with the Ouija board. <laughs> oh, man. I think the most interesting thing that I found and it's something that, that stuck out to me a lot is how much more um, self-reliant Gen Z is. They came of age sort of in the like they've never known a world before 9-11. They've never known they, they're digital natives. Uh, they don't feel the same sort of collaborative drive that a lot of millennials do to like work together in a big open uh, office space. Gen Z thinks they can do it on their own. And I think that sometimes uh, obviously there's like that attitude can strike millennials as being sort of arrogant or being very self-sufficient. But it's also a, a lot of confidence that a lot of millennials, millennials lack uh, the belief that you do have something really valuable to offer in and of yourself. And that's been something that I've been trying to take from the younger generation to better myself, uh, which is all to say I'm starting my own podcast without you guys. Uh, and <laughs> you already did. Don't need anybody. You have that superhero one. I do have the superhero, but I, even that one's not alone. Believe it or not, I found some people to do it with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it and, well, his next one is is about you know losing your faith and converting to atheism. That's horrible. It is awful, Tyler. Shame on you. <laughs> his sister heard two minutes of it and it just completely wrecked her out of the gates. <laughs> <laughs> Our t- eternal soul is lost. Thanks a lot. Speaking of eternal souls, uh, we talked to uh, artist Lisa Gunker mm-hmm. about oh, her man. faith journey in the new issue. She's, uh, you know, obviously she and her husband, Michael Gunger are, are known for their, uh, their music group Gunger. Yeah. Um, and she opens up about her faith and, and marriage and what happened when her husband told her that he'd become an atheist. Yeah. Um, I, I will give you a little bit of a spoiler alert he no longer claims that, but there was a moment in their journey and in their marriage where he said that to her directly. And it was at like a crucial time too. Like they were pastoring a church out there. They were known as the Christian band Gunger, you know, so worship leaders. Yeah. What a, what a time to have a crisis of faith. Yeah. I mean, they had some extraordinary negative circumstances that happened in quick succession in their life. And it really shook them both to their core. What's interesting. We talked to, to Lisa about her faith journey, where she's at and and that process. Here's a clip of a bit of our conversation with Lisa Gunger. I think at first I, I closed up. I didn't talk to anyone about it because I was afraid of what they would say and that they would reject us. And, and not just Michael. Like, I mean, I was afraid that they would reject Michael and, and me because I felt like I would start being judged for, well, why are you staying with him? Why are you, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to do at first because my teachings that I had grown up would tell me, well, now you should, you should probably not be with this person. You're unequally yoked and you're, you're you know, and all this stuff. And, and But I, I remember, you clearly remember like looking at Michael 
and thinking like, gosh, like I thought an atheist would look different than this. And like he looks pretty happy and he looks he looks calm for the first time in years. So on in one sense, it was really beautiful to see him let go and and not be tortured by these questions anymore. Um, and on the other hand, we were not in the same place. Like I still believe in God because I've had all these experiences. And, and he would say the same. He had all these experiences, you know, because right now. But I definitely felt like I was split in two. Powerful stuff. Good stuff. Um, other features, one to mention, uh, you know, you, if you listen to the podcast for a while, you remember a few months ago when Jesse and I spent quite a bit of time in, in Somaliland, uh, yeah. uh, looking firsthand at the drought there and the humanitarian crisis that's happening and what we can do, uh, to help turn things around. If you've heard us talk about it on the podcast, this feature goes far more in depth. We have a number of, uh, climate, uh, specialists and, and experts speaking into kind of what's happening and what can be done yeah. beyond just me and Jesse yeah. being, you know, tourists, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so definitely check that out. Fantastic photography throughout, throughout it. I just think it's just the best that, photography. That's really, I mean, that's really steals. No you don't need it. You can't improve on the pictures. <laughs> best photography we've ever had in the issue. Uh, I, I took, I took the pictures. Um, uh, we also uh, talk about Sabbath, the importance of Sabbath. We have uh, our, our usual uh, variety up in front matter. Our last word is written by pastor Matt Chandler. It's fantastic. As we were, wow. as we were putting this issue together, you've got, you've got your Rachel Held Evans, your Brian Houston's, your Lisa Gungers, your Matt Chandler's. You got the gamut. Yeah. You know, many streams, but one river, you mm-hmm. know, and we love pulling from different, different parts of the body of Christ and publishing those voices. Um, it's always challenging and insightful, but I remember when we were putting this issue together, there was a note that somebody sent me, one of the editors who was doing one of the rounds and said, I, and all the issues I've been part of, I think this is the best last word we've ever had. Wow. You know, and it really was, it was like one of those kind of like oh, put the yeah. period at the end of the sentence. So yeah. the last words, it was mm-hmm. powerful. He, he did a great job very inspiring. You, you, when you close that magazine, read that last word, you're like, time to go change the world. Like I'm going to do you're this. Storm it the really gates. is like, yeah, yeah, it really is. It's very inspiring. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot more, uh, uh, go check it out. Uh, the new issues out now. You can pick it up on newsstands nationwide. Almost all the Barnes and Nobles have it, and there's other you know kind of significant stores around the country that carry it. If your bookstore that you like going to doesn't carry it, ask for it. It actually helps it get onto the shelves. Um, you can also go onto relevantmagazine.com. You can check out the entire issue there. We put the entire digital magazine up for free. Uh, you can view it if you want to get the paper edition mailed to your home. Um, you can also subscribe at relevantmagazine.com. Well, there you go. Thanks, guys. Great job on this uh, on this issue. It was it's a powerful one. Fun to put together. There you go. Okay, stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. listening to Just Love Hall. The song's called Them Water. Sorry, Cameron. I wanted to go ahead and do that one. What, what do we got coming up next? Okay, it's time for your feedback. Now, I wasn't here for this episode, so this is new to me. But last week's editorial question of the week was, what would the staff of your celebrity church look like? Celebrity church is in quotes Ooh. in my notes. Yeah. Where did that come from? What was that based on? We we listened to Chris, ba- Chris Pratt's speech from the MTV uh, movie awards. I don't right. know if you got a chance to hear that yet, Cameron. Yeah, but, I did. That um, was amazing. He gave it like his nine rules. Hey, they were I half- watch. I watch relevant news first of all, 
And, okay. uh, and uh, that video got a ton of views. Yes, you've hit a it, soft It's over 100,000 views right now. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but, you know, we kind of, as, as Daz pointed out in that video, Chris Pratt is basically a youth pastor at this point. Yeah. Like, he delivered a sermon that was very, very short, which youth pastors have to do. And he also weaved in potty humor with deep <laughs> spiritual truths. Like it was, a, he did the job of a youth. Like that's what they teach you in youth pastoring school. I can only agree. So we started a conversation. If Chris Pratt is the youth pastor, who else would be on staff at, at the church there? Interesting. Well, you guys uh, hit us up on Twitter at relevant podcast. Uh, and, and you also uh, posted on the podcast episode page at relevant Here's a few of our favorites. Emily Clark on Twitter uh, said, Viola Davis, senior pastor. I could totally see that. Very authoritative. I think we talked about her last week. Oscar winner. JT, Justin Timberlake, as worship pastor. Really? <laughs> and here, here is my, my favorite is it's co-youth pastors, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Yeah, that was a good Every kid in town is going to that church. They could totally do it. <laughs> and finally, Ted, Ted Danson as the assimilation pastor. Uh, so there we go. I found it funny that a few associate pastor nominations in completely different lists had Stephen Colbert. Yeah, several. I'm, I mean, obviously because of, you know, what he has said on his show previously, but it was like the associate pastor. I like it. Not the singer. Like, you don't want to hear him preach every week. No, but just, every once in a while he'll do it. Like, you yeah, know, you basically want him to do the announcements. And Thanksgiving week. He's an announcement guy. Yeah. <laughs> funny, exactly. funny guy. Announcements and holidays. That's about all you can take of Colbert, his wisecracking. That's true. Announcements and holidays. I like it. <laughs> It may be like baby dedications, maybe funny baby dedications. I could see him having to call that. Jamie said that her dream church would include Denzel Washington on staff, and he would be able to do everything because he's Denzel Washington. That's a fair point. That's true. Uh, Tim Reeder has an interesting one. He is senior pastor Michelle Obama, associate, Obviously. associate pastor Stephen Colbert, None. music minister Sufjan Stevens. Uh, 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 you th- yeah, that was an interesting it's one. Two shoe like, oh my gosh. Yeah, get over it. Can you imagine? <laughs> maybe him maybe a song? on like Holy Week or something. It's just like you know? that yeah. would just be the weirdest yeah, worship Advent. service. He can do a special yeah. Advent yeah. service yeah, there you go. when it's yeah. like an acoustic Advent. set. Youth Minister Pete Holmes and Missions Director Bear Grylls. Oh yeah, Pete <laughs> Holmes and Bear Grylls. That, that's spot on. <laughs> <laughs> but he gave another one too. <laughs> he gave that another sounds- one, and the entire staff is white, so I didn't read it. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know how serious this one is. Um, no, I'm not doing that. It's Kirk Cameron, a senior pastor. Kevin oh. Sorbo, <laughs> Listen, hey, pastor. Well, if, if Kirk Cameron is the senior pastor, of course the entire staff is white. <laughs> that is the yeah, whitest senior a, pastor. Yeah, that was a Kirk Cameron burn. You know, but uh, he deserved it. He deserved yeah. it. Mark, Mark Wahlberg <laughs> as Marky Mark as music pastor. Youth pastor, of course, uh, Stephen Baldwin, because he's you know he's living it with the skateboarding and finally the men's minister tim tebow oh that's, yeah that's quite the lineup there all right uh chad mcnulty said on twitter uh lead pastor morgan freeman <laughs> yeah obviously i mean he has can, he checked the news lately he can ju- well yes but <laughs> yeah. I'm say that, i mean that's a lot of pastors too so. <laughs> worship leader adele that'd be, that'd be okay good. Yeah. okay associate pastor jimmy fallon so okay. there's your wisecracking announcements mm-hmm. guy nice mm-hmm. Youth pastor Kevin Hart. I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Children's yes. pastor Zo- Zoe Deschanel. Wow. That's good. Head of security Liam Neeson. And then the, the sweet church secretary, <laughs> Betty White. 
That is a pretty good roster. I love that this church has a head of security, and I love that it's Liam Neeson. (laughs) And I feel like if Liam Neeson is the head of security at your church, he lets people in the church get abducted (laughs) just so he can go rescue them. Like, like he's sort of on call. Like, he's not, like, patrolling the service. He waits for, he waits for abductions, and then he, he does his thing. So, you'll get back safe, and a lot of weird henchmen will get beat up in the process. He's like, now listen to me. I've never served on a church before, but I do have a particular set of skills. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will find you and I will convert you. Okay. Well, there's a lot more of that where that came from. Go check it out online. Okay. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. So earlier in the show, we, uh, you know, we, we all told it's summer. We told some travel stories. You know, Jesse told his Costa Rican story of, of his friend's uh, harrowing horseback ride. Uh, Eddie <laughs> talked about, you know, staying in the lap of luxury at the Dumb and Dumber Resort. Uh, I talked about staying up all night playing poker in Montana. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we want to know your funniest or craziest stories from summer travel, like something that you experienced, something you saw, some horse you rode. Uh, from you know, memorable moment from your your travels. There you go. Yeah, and, and to be clear, we don't really care if you've been somewhere beautiful. If you've horseback ridden, I don't want, I don't want any ride. good stories. No, no, no. I want ones that end in like violent, like funny stuff, like violent illnesses, yeah, yeah. like getting arrested. Yeah, if you rode a horse uh, on the beach, persona non grata in a country, right. stuff like that. Right. If that horse didn't get away from you, if there wasn't some pretty intense injury, if there isn't, you, you understand where we're heading here. You've yeah. listened. Yeah. To the show. Have you ever yeah. seen the show Locked Up Abroad? I want your <laughs> feedback like that except not going to prison for drugs for like 20 years, yeah, but right. stuff going poor. No, yeah, that's, that's what right. I want. That's right. that's that's so hit us up on Twitter at relevant podcast, or you can post your longer stories on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Well, many thanks to our guests for our joining us. today. remember John Mark McMillan's new album, Mercury and lightning is out now. Okay. You can follow him on Twitter at John Mark MC. I think they have that out in vinyl, don't they? Oh, of course. I think I saw a Probably. picture. Yeah. It was like a beautiful yeah. album. The art on it is great. Uh, and also remember the new issue of relevant is available now. Leon Bridges is on the cover. There's some amazing content. You can view the entire issue online. You can pick it up at newsstands and you can subscribe today at relevantmagazine.com. I think you'll like it and it supports, keeps the show on the air. So there you go. You will like it and you'll like it. You always say that because you're trying to be humble. You will love it. I try very hard to be humble about the magazine. I'm very proud of it. The magazine's great. And it's a big deal. Oh, it's awesome. Jesse does a great job. Yeah. <laughs> the whole team does a great job. What am I whole saying? Team. I, whole I have team. nothing to do with it is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, make sure to tune in on Friday. Uh, the Friday episode features Hillsong Young and Free uh, joining us. It's going to be a good one. So tune in. Yeah. And on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Andre Henry. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. Jim Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. For any F Downs, we'll see you on Friday. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. 
There's a new bandana in town now. Relevant Podcast Network.